Guns down. Bullets won't stop them. Now! We surrender! Hands up! There's no need to damage us. We're good stock. We volunteer for the upgrade program. Take us to be processed. Elements. But we surrender. You are incompatible. But this is a surrender! You will be deleted. But we're surrendering! Listen to me! We surrender! You are inferior. Man will be reborn as Cyberman, but you will perish under maximum deletion. Delete! 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 Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. We're talking about Doctor Who. We're talking about a David Tennant episode, two episodes, Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel. I am Ken. Jeff. Julia. So, what's the story about this episode? Um, the TARDIS crashes in a parallel London where Rose's dad is still alive and people are disappearing off the streets. Oh no, something's wrong with there. Time for the doctor to intervene. Yeah, well, he has to because the TARDIS is stuck. Yeah. And everybody in London, or sounds like everybody everywhere, has all these little earbuds in that download all this information. Kind of creepy. Do you know this episode, what, is 14 years old? Wow. Oh, wow, yeah, it came out in 2006. It just seems like, and it's severely dated as soon as she takes her cell phone out. It's like, oh, boy, I can't believe it was that long ago for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody nowadays has earbuds in. Yep, true. Yeah, they're smaller than that, even. Um, So this episode, um, this two-part episode was the first episode that I totally accepted David Tennant as the doctor. Um, Up to that point, he had been sort of on trial with me, and this one was like, after watching this, I was like, okay, I got it now. There was a couple before this that were, he was really good, but this one was the one um, that really solidified it for me. Yeah, he he was very good in this. Um, and I thought Rose was good. I even thought Mickey was good. And I never cared much for Mickey. Yeah. Well, Mickey's, yeah, Mickey was good. He, he um, This was an episode where I had forgotten. As I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he, he leaves at the end. I had forgotten about that. And um, as I'm watching this, I'm like, they're really pointing out how neglected Nikki is, Mickey yeah. is, sorry, <laughs> Ricky, what, Mickey, Ricky, Ricky, and um, <clears throat> I always felt bad for him because I felt Rose always treated him badly mm-hmm. um, and was really, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, I can't believe how, how and I, I didn't like it. I, I, I think, do most fans look at it and go, yeah, Mickey, ah, who cares, it's Rose and 
and the doctor that that care and then why is that other guy i i felt the opposite i felt the rose and doctor thing was like oh gross you know and the mickey yeah, thing was it just... was the rose doctor thing gets cringe worthy at times yeah yeah I, I mean i felt bad for mickey because he was you know the doctor even said he was a spare part yeah they also, right off the bat, they forgot about him because he had his finger on the button and he could have taken it off 30 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they earlier episodes also dealt with that, with the whole, that he's the tin dog and stuff like that. But um, certainly they were drumming up, they were building up this whole idea that you don't know anything about me. Like, like Mickey is going to go off and visit his grandmother and the doctor doesn't know anything about it and it's the doctor's fault or whatever but obviously by the end of the the two parter he's sort of redeemed he saves the day you know and um i think the doctor has more respect for him and uh, you know i don't know if rose does i think rose sort of is upset well, that she's losing her childhood friend that she's been hanging out with for well, all these years but Mickey finally stood up for himself i mean he finally towed off rose i mean like yeah well, plus you got a lot more of Mickey's backstory. Like I didn't know that his mother was dead and that his grandmother who had raised him had died. And I didn't know any of that. Um, I, well, I, don't I, don't think, I don't think they mentioned it before. No, I don't think so. This was the episode. Yeah. And so yeah. You, you really learned a lot more about him and, and, you know, could understand why he was the way he was sort of yeah. his, his, you know, his father took off his, his mother, or his mother died or his mother took off and his father held in for a couple of years but then left him and you know you got some serious abandonment issues there when a, if that happens to a, a child and yeah um, well, but i mean he, he was put up with being treated sort of badly even though you know like he doesn't have the confidence to stand up for himself he never thought he was good enough for anything yeah yeah, exactly, and and it definitely, you know, unlike other other um, seasons of Doctor Who, where we don't know anything about the characters after two years, <laughs> um, <laughs> within just a few episodes, we learn a lot about this character. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, he was always treated as a buffoon earlier on, even like the like little Mickey was like, why is he so, you know, clingy and everything? It just kind of all at any point, the writers seemed to always want to bash Mickey and they, you know, they didn't recognize that he was um, an auton, you know, you know, she didn't recognize because she was just kind of off, you know, but it just... But I'm glad, it, you know, and then obviously he grows to a different character by the next time we see him, which, which maybe is a little unrealistic, but. Um, yeah. Anyways, but. Um, so the Cybermen re reappear in this story. I like how they are revealed. They are in it quite a bit for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes or so, but we never see them. They're always, like, in the background blurry. Mm -hmm. And when we finally reveal them, we get to see what they look like. I think initially we we knew what they were going to look like because they had revealed photos ahead of time. So that's right. They did the, the promo pictures and stuff. Yeah, that's too bad. I, but, I mean, obviously they couldn't resist. You know, they had to do that, you know. Well, Rise of the Cybermen, so, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean... 
knowing that they they're Cybermen, but not knowing what they look like. Because every time the Cybermen are on screen, even in the classic series, they always seem to change quite a bit. You know, sometimes they didn't, but they would always look different. Tenth Planet was the first one, and then Moonbase, they looked totally different. And, and then by um, Revenge of the Cybermen, they looked different again. And then Earthshock, they looked different. So, I mean, this was like a, it's like a tradition. Oh, here's Doctor Who, here's the new Cybermen, what are they going to look like? And too bad they couldn't have kept that a, a secret, but whatever, I mean, you know. I didn't like this version style of the Cybermen. That they're too clunky, what? and I said I don't, I didn't like this style of Cybermen. Yeah. Uh, they're, like, really big and bulky, and they just didn't. And of well, course, they... I don't like the, the chomping walk, the Yeah, they're supposed to be an army. I mean, I remember watching, the first time I watched this episode, I thought they were terrifying. That marching, it was like, oh my god, if you heard that coming down the street, you'd fucking run. You yeah. know? Sorry for swearing. Um. <laughs> no, I, I agree, Julia, because um, I'm a big fan of the Cybermen, and I was before this episode. And when they redesigned them to be, in the past, like in 10th Planet and Moonbase especially, they're sneaky. They, they don't make a lot of noise. They sort of hide and they just sort of appear, and in Revenge, they're more, and Earthshock, they do march, but we don't hear them, because they're just, you know, you know, while they're metal, why aren't they making noise while they have sneakers on or something? <laughs> but um, well, they kind of changed in Earthshock. Earthshock, they became more army-like. Up to that, before that, they were sort of... Um, Sneaky. Creepy and, and yeah. sort of in the shadows. So they've redesigned, and this, obviously this is a different Cyberman. This is not the Cyberman from our universe. This is a alternate reality Cyberman. Right. And, and, then, and then it gets confusing as we go on. I don't want to talk about that. but um, So this is a, a kind of a neat little design, and, and, and I didn't mind it. I, I At the time, I think I was like, oh, God. What's going on with the march? But then I bought into it. I understood what they were doing. It's like a, almost like the Nazis or or any sort of overpowering army that's marching mm -hmm. on you, making that sound. And it's you know, it's meant to scare you and scare you into submission. Yeah. You know, even though you know he the Lumic, the John Lumic, the guy who created these, already had a lot of control over people with his. Um, earbud things. It's still, I don't know, I thought it was pretty effective and very scary. And I liked that, you know, Rose still wanted to see her her dad and, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, she had done that before, yep. but had to die before and, um, you know, in order to save the world. It didn't go well for her in this one, either seeing her, the different version of her dad and mom. No, I mean, a couple he, of times she got put in her place, and then she tried to, you know, especially when she went talking to Jackie, and Jack's like, "You're this, you're just staff. Shut the hell up." And, <laughs> yeah, this is a very bad Jackie, and this, and she's not a very nice person, and there's no, there's not much redeeming qualities in her in this in this universe. Um, and even Pete Tyler was kind of cold to her too. I mean, she, I think she was trying to 
get something that she used to have, but it well, wasn't she never the same. She died when she was a baby, and so she, you know, is always chasing this ideal of a dad that she doesn't know, you know. But she you're talking still about, has this picture in her mind of what he would have been like had he lived, and <clears throat> she just doesn't know what he would have been like. Well, I think this obviously. I know this is this Pete Tyler is is actually a pretty good guy, and ultimately, he's he's working for the good guys, and mm-hmm. um, you know he's a better guy in this universe than the next than the previous one. Maybe we don't know much about the other one. Um, yeah. But, um, and then Jackie is just not that good in, in this, you know, she's not a good person. She's complaining, of, you know, spoiled. She's complaining about this and that because if it's her, her birthday party and she's all bossy and everything. So, you know, obviously they still care about her because they still go in to risk their lives to save her. Right. So, you know, that makes them a good, good people, whereas Jackie wasn't really that good in this, but. And then, of course, at the end, it's more their big contrast because Rose gets to see her real mother mm. and hug her and everything. And it's emotional because and, and at, at the end, when the doctor says we went far, far away or whatever, it's just a, a huge contrast. And, and Russell T. Davis, despite all his flaws, he has the ability to make these emotions make sense and... Mm-hmm work and oh, that's this he didn't write this one <laughs> well no but he's always even the ones he writes he does good with characters and emotion um and i think you know he's already set up the jackie character he's already set up the peak character and he's already set up rose and everyone else so it works really well in this there's even there's just few moments like jackie and rose talking um with the servant conversation we just mentioned that slow moment, which was only a couple seconds, worked really well because we already knew Jackie, we already knew Rose, and, and this was a different Jackie. So right. I'm kind of praising Russell T. Davis and the writer. Who wrote this one, by the way? Tom McCray. Okay. Um, they did a really good job. And, and this was based, or there was a, this is inspired by the audio adventure, uh, Spare Parts, by Mark Platt. Um, which I who wrote Ghostlight? Oh, okay. Well, I guess he's not that good then. Anyways, uh, gotta bash someone, you know. It's also directed I, by Graham Harper, who directed The Caves of Androzani and Revelation of the Daleks in the original series. Yeah, the only director to be in both um, to direct both classic and new. Well, he's the first. Why yeah, was there someone else? The first. Oh, I'm thinking of a, no. Never mind. I'm thinking of a writer. Yeah, so so far he's the only director. Yeah. yeah. And after this story, I, I was like, I wish he would do more, because um, I did like I liked I did like this story a lot. I, I there's not much in it that I I will criticize one thing later on, but uh, Rose is a dog in this. Uh, you know, I thought that was kind <laughs> of funny. You know, Rose didn't think it was funny, but... But the doctor did. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I can see why you would say that about David Tennant, like solidifying himself as the doctor for you. I mean, I, I pretty much bought into him right away. But yeah, um, I, I did. It's really very good in this. Um, I, the the best cliffhanger. One of this is one of the, my best cliffhangers when he's trying to. He basically says to the Cyberman, "Okay, we 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 surrender," and they're just not buying it. They're just like, "Oh no." We've already made up our mind. You're just going to be deleted. And the doctor's like, why? You're here to use us, and you're just going to delete us? And he couldn't comprehend that, and it was a very good cliffhanger because it, you just can't argue with a machine, you know, once it makes up its mind. It, you know. But right. um, So I thought that was really good, and his acting was really good in it. Um, good, Some good action stuff at the end there, whether everyone's running around. I mean, you can kind of outrun them. They don't walk that fast, but there were so many of them that they got cornered. Yeah, right. especially you would think. I mean, Ricky, get, Ricky got caught climbing the stair, uh, the fence, and you would have thought that he'd been able to outrun them yeah. and escape. But well, he, you figured they had to get rid of one of the two anyway, and they weren't going to kill off Mickey. Yeah. So it's so weird. And I think they did this on purpose. When when I watched it again, I knew that they had killed Ricky. But after Ricky gets killed, Mickey makes a face like Ricky and then walks over. And you, you never – at one point, I'm like, could Ricky have pretended to be Mickey? It was just – it wasn't as <laughs> cut and dry. I don't remember what they were wearing, if they were wearing different clothes or whatever. No, they but, were pretty much dressed identically. Yeah. So, it, you know, for a, a couple of minutes, I knew already, but I, I watched it again, and I'm like, is Ricky pretending to be Mickey? But obviously, he's not. No. Um, but it just seemed – like they did that on purpose. He made a face like Ricky, and maybe it foreshadows that he's kind of going to take over for Ricky a little bit. Um, I really liked Mrs. Moore. I thought she was great. Oh, yes, yeah, she was. She was good. She was, you know, driven and and funny and smart, and you know, she had some good little zingers. She's the slowest escape in history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a good one. Yeah, my favorite scene in this whole two-parter was when he, um, she and the doctor are walking in the the Tunnel. coin tunnels. Yeah, and mm -hmm. the Simon start to wake up. It's just that was. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and and then even later on when they're they um, are talking to the was it Sally? Sally. Yeah. Sally Simon or whatever. Just really great stuff. And um, again. She's on the screen just long, and Mrs. Moore is on the screen just long enough to be a really good character. And again, this is Russell T. Davis figuring it out that the characters are important, and sometimes they're they're too important for this, and the story suffers. But in this case, and again, I don't know how much he had been involved in the writing. Obviously, the writer did a really good job of balancing everything. Yeah. Oh, she died. The woman who played. Her name was Helen Griffin, and she died in 2018. She was only 59. Yeah. There's a few people from this uh, cast that aren't here anymore. I think uh, Roger Lloyd Pack passed away. Maybe. Did he? I, mean, I, I thought so. I thought yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. I love the... Uh, um, the Pete go, uh, gets into the van with the with the um, oh, the, and he goes, 
I, I expected a big group, not, you know, Scooby-Doo. They even got the van. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, I like that. At least I got the catering on my side, you know, (laughs) the catering staff on my side. Yeah. So, again, some really good lines and good character lines, because as soon as they say they lines, the lines, they they enhance the character. They they explain the character. It's not lines, dialogue that are useless. They're they're important, you know. Right. Efficient. I like the part where Dr. Pete and Rose are captured, and Mickey's like watching on the video camera, and the doctor figures it out and says, oh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if someone could hack into and starts giving the clues, and Mickey ends up saving the day? Yeah. 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 Like, even, know, if, even an idiot can do it. Yeah. yeah. I, and I like the scene right before that where he goes, oh, I'm captured by a Cyberman, but don't worry, Pete and Rose will oh, you know, they're right there captured <laughs> with him, but that was really good. Um, that stuff at the end where they, okay, so here's my biggest criticism of the episode, and I'm sure... Um, I've heard this one. No, yeah, the, um, <laughs> they, they, Mickey um, texts the, the number to Rose, Rose throws the phone over the doctor, and the doctor puts the phone into a phone-shaped cradle that instantly damages the Cybermen, the Cybermen go crazy, and they all blow up. The whole base blows up for some reason. So I didn't like that. I didn't like why is the why could the phone fit in there? It was an old phone. It didn't, you know, it was kind of a, of a really silly ending. Too, too simple. And Russell T. Davis does that. That's what he does. This is not the only time he's done that. It's one of the weakest endings. It bothered me more back then. Today, it didn't bother me as much watching it yesterday or whenever I watched it. But it was still kind of, oh, God, there's no thought in it. Just push a button and everyone die. All the sudden men die, you know. Okay. Yeah. But, I don't know. It had, they had to wrap it up. I mean, it was already yeah. a good- yeah, and and Russell T. Davis is not the type of person in general, and, and I don't know if it's the writer's fault or Russell T. Davis. He doesn't care as much about the resolution. Mm. You know, there's no way they can they can do this again. They can't jump parallel worlds, and in the next time we see this, there's just a big yellow button. Well, how do they do it? This yellow button, and they push it, and that's what how they get from from. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what Russell T. Davis does. He goes, ah, people don't care about how it happens. They want to know what's going on with the characters. And he's right to a degree. It affects, you know, me. Like some people are like, wait a minute, what's the science behind this? You know, and do we do we ever find out how he did this earlier in Inferno? Where he went to an alternate Earth. He said in this story that when the Time Lords were around, it just, that power or whatever, that ability to do that just happened. It, it, you, you could do it more often. And he did it, what, well, I guess Inferno was the only time that he had done it beforehand, right? Yeah. So, I don't remember. We would have to watch Inferno again and find out how it happened. But it wasn't, he was saying that it was more impossible in this one, whereas Inferno, it just happened. I don't know. Or it happened in some other audio adventures too, I guess, and, and books. But yeah. But since the Time Lords were gone, it sort of that no. He basically said 
you can't do it anymore. It's impossible, even though they did it. And then they did it, and then it became more possible later on. But I think the, the writing of this is really good. I think the setup where they were in alternate reality and couldn't get out of it, all that made sense. Recharging the TARDIS and, and you know, that's that MacGuffin that you have, the device, and that device is later on used to save them from the Cybermen, all that cliffhanger. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, again, everything kind of fits together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a was a great two-parter, and you know the reviews are mostly positive. There's a few people who don't like it, but there's always a few. Um, and I don't know. This was I, always my favorite two-parters. I thought it was a it was a good story to reintroduce the Cybermen to the newer fans and all that, and gave them somewhat of a origin origin story even if it was on alternate earth because they had the how they did it with all those uh saw blades up in the air that came down and chopped you all up yeah those were terrifying <laughs> and then when they were doing it they played uh when the lion sleeps tonight <laughs> yeah fucking creepy yeah it was but at least you had an idea of how it was sort of done but you get more of that when Bill gets turned into one, I guess, back. But anyway. The, uh, one, one unrelated note to this was um, I went to a viewing of, I think it was this two-parter episode, maybe, I don't remember, at that theater up in East Hampton. Remember, um, I think it was Jonathan that had it set up. Oh, Popcorn Noir. <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah. it. And I went to one of those with all these Doctor Who fans, and I think it was the Cybermen episode. I don't. I don't remember. But I. I brought. Um, or um, they had a trivia question for a poster, and the trivia question was, "What's the home planet of the Cybermen?" And I. I, I said uh, Mondas, and everyone in the audience turned around and looked at me and goes, "No, it's Earth." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then they said, "Well, technically, you're right. It is Mondas, but." Most people know it from Earth because of this episode. This was the origin of this of this Cyberman. But it's so, not because it's an alternate Earth. Well, but it's an alternate Earth, and that's that's the answer is alternate Earth. And, and they invented. We never, we never really see. Well, we only see these Cybermen one more time at the end of the season. But after that, it's our universe Cybermen. But then they look like this. Yeah, which I thought was completely... Well, yeah, but they didn't have the C on the... Chart. No, but... So it, it gets confusing. The Cybermen all get confusing later on, and, and I don't want to get into it, because it's just headache. But um, Colin Ball, who played... Um, um, Crane. What's his name? Crane. Mr. Crane. Mr. Crane. He was in Revelation of the Daleks, who... Which was directed by Graham Harper. Yeah, so he was there, and... Um, another note was Roger Lloyd Pack and David Tennant had played together in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, they played father and, father son, and son, Barney son. Crouch Jr. and Sr. That's right, I forgot about that. I forgot that he was Barty Crouch Sr. Yeah. 
I guess uh, the actor broke his leg before filming this, but they were they had already planned on doing this the wheelchair anyway, so that was um, that wasn't the reason he was in the wheelchair. But yeah, I knew about uh, that. It was a skiing accident. He broke his leg skiing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So the guy who played the president, uh, Don Warrington, is currently in a show called Death in Paradise, which is a very fluffy mystery show. He plays who's the least in that now hmm? who's the lead in that now it used to be uh um he was actually up for he was his name was getting tossed around as uh one of the doctors right the, the next doctor but you know when when jody um jody whitaker was named. did he get i thought he got replaced by the dumb priest and from father ted Oh, maybe. I stopped watching that show a while ago. Oh. But yeah, I know who you mean. I can't think of the guy's name. I, I, I meant to say this earlier. I, I, have to have, I have to have some negativity. Otherwise, I'm just not... Um, oh, come on. How can you be negative true, about it? This was being true, true, true to myself. <laughs> oh, don't mention that. So, um, the, the doctor is... Or, sorry, Rose is super is super jealous of every single oh, woman. The other and, cocktail waitress. Yeah. She's like, oh, oh. yeah. Oh. And, and, and it's like, that was ridiculous. That didn't need to be in there. You know, Lucy, I think uh, Lucy's a little thick or whatever. I, it just, it, it, it stood out in the story and I'm like, oh, here we go again with her. Why are you talking to her doctor? Lucy, why do you know her name? You know, it just was a little petty. I thought, and it, it stood out because the rest of the story didn't have that. It just, it, it but that's Rose. Rose does yeah. that all the time. Yes, but mm -hmm. so small. But I had to mention it because I have to stay true to myself. <laughs> Rose does that all the time, like does that girl in uh, Parting of the Ways. But she didn't do it in Girl in the Fireplace. Nope. No, but she kind of gave looks and stuff. Well, you, you, no. could tell, you could tell she. Yeah, was but but she she was she she was hands off with that. She knew her that she would have come off as a total jerk if she had said anything. That's why I like that story because she's more adult. She's more of an adult, but the rest of this, she's she's more of a kid, I guess. But brat. Anyways, so yeah, all. Praises for this one. I, I um, it was enjoyable watching it again. This is I, this is one of those stories that I've watched more than most um, from that era. And so when I was watching it, I, I didn't feel like like it hadn't been a long time since I saw it. And it wasn't like wow, I, I'm blown away by this because I remember it. Just sort of like oh yeah, yeah, of course I remember this and being good and everything. So yep. I, I did enjoy this one. I, I really did. It, it still kind of holds up, even though the cell phones are kind of out of date. But the earbud things, I mean, yeah, that's why I don't wear Bluetooth speaker things in my ear type. <laughs> oh, because you're afraid that you get taken over by Lumic? Yeah. <laughs> I don't wear them because they bother, you know, they like sticking in my ear. You know, it's like. Well, you, you see people walking around with the white white sticks sticking out yeah. of the air and they look like idiots. So it's just like 
Well, the worst part about that is someone's walking toward me and they go, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, hey, and oh, they're not talking to me. They're talking to someone on the freaking phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that bugs me too because you'd be seeing someone just talking and you're like, are you talking to me? No, could I guess you like not. go go somewhere else to listen to the voices in your head? <laughs> and that way, if you talk to yourself, you could just put one of those in there, and no one will ever think you're crazy. You just like, hey, what's going on? Anyways. I should say that because I was watching the episode of Discovery where Tilly has sees the ghost, and so she is like she's talking to herself. <laughs> and now you say it, she, Tilly should have put things in her ears and no one would have known you didn't see that episode of discovery i imagine is this star trek discovery yeah no i have i've only watched one episode of star trek discovery oh i have no idea what you're talking about i plan on it it's just not hasn't happened yet oh okay sorry they all they all die they're exploded okay. for you you don't Good. have to watch anymore thank you no i'll watch it because i know eventually Okay, anything else about this one? Nope. No. Okay, it makes me want to watch the uh, the continuation of this because the, the two-parter at the end is continuation of this a little bit. Oh, you mean the, uh, the Idiot's Lantern? Nope. The next two the two episodes that finish off this season with the Cybermen and the Daleks. Oh, it's, a it's, it's like a continuation of this. So, it is in a way. Well, yeah, it's, it's got Daleks in it. Well, but it has Mickey's back, and I like to eat its liner because Rose is not in it much because her face is gone. <laughs> okay, they don't have to hear her complain. Well, when we do that one, you'll be able to. Uh, we already did. We already did that one. I'm thinking. Yes. Okay. Nice. Well, this was good. I like this one. Okay. So that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>